0: This episode is brought to you by Great Waters Financial. And once I committed to it, I went all in and I said, I'm going to do it. I don't care what happens. I'm following God's will for me, right? It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, it wouldn't be a bold idea. It'd be just an idea.
1: Science of Selling author, David Hoffel.
0: Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.
1: Hey, welcome, welcome to episode number four. This is Larry Gates. I'm here with Armin Asadi. We are so glad you're here and we are coming fresh off a launch week where we launched the first three episodes and now we're into the regular weekly routine. You know, it was so much fun during launch week to just hear from all of our listeners from yeah. Reinvent Your Me days <laughs> and to just kind of come back and say, hey, glad you're back. You know, back right. on the air.
2: They missed us. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it is nice. Isn't that nice?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we have a special treat today because we have another guest on the show that has just a ton of, of insight and stuff that I think our listeners are really going to enjoy. and. You know, you and I both enjoy selling. We've been selling ideas and selling <laughs> ourselves,
2: <Something. laughs> and selling <laughs> products and companies
1: and all kinds of stuff. And I think, you know, most of our listeners probably can't identify with that in the sense that I don't think most of our audience would consider themselves salespeople. Yeah. But even if you don't think of yourself as a salesperson, and regardless of what you think of the profession, I actually think it's a good profession, but I can see where a lot of people might think it's been tainted. But it, regardless, if you want to be a leader and you've got a bold idea inside of you, you yeah. certainly need to influence others with it. Yeah. And so selling is such an important part of it. And I'm I'm really glad we've got David Hoffeld from the Hoffeld Group here. Now, he, he's more than just a sales guy who happens to name his company after himself. <laughs> a lot of sales guys do. And a lot of very successful ones do. But David has written probably one of the few, if not the only, book that really balances the whole – approach to selling around scientific principles. So he spent six years studying psychology uh, research and neuroscience papers and digging into all of this and then doing some field tests and all kinds of things to say, is there some science that we can apply to selling? So without any further ado here, I'm going to tee up David and welcome you to the program, David.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here with you both today. Well,
1: I'm glad you're on the podcast, David, and I I almost felt like I was going to steal all your thunder about why you wrote the book, The Science of Selling, which just came out this last year in November, right? Correct. Yeah, November fifteenth. Absolutely. The day that will live in infamy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is that a prophecy? <laughs> well, uh, I claim that. I claim all right, that. do it, do it, David, because we <laughs> want to see that book really rock and roll. But you know, apart from the book, talk to us about what do you do? Tell us about your firm and and really what you're all about.
0: Yeah, the Huffo Group is a research-based sales, training, coaching, and consulting firm. And as you mentioned, Larry, our differentiator is we base everything, and I mean everything on numerous scientific disciplines that reveal how our brains are wired to be influenced and make buying decisions. So we do sales training, coaching, and consulting, and we always focus it on, not ourselves, but our potential customers. How can we meet their needs? How can can we communicate in ways that help them make confident buying decisions that are the right decisions for them?
1: That's great. Now, what got you into that? How did you get into this whole idea of science-based selling?
0: I have been in sales for many years prior as a salesperson, sales manager, VP of sales, and I stumbled on an academic journal in social psychology, and I read it, and one of the articles I found very relevant to what I did every day, and I applied that insight, and I began to get some results, and I gave it to my sales team. I was VP of sales at the time for a company, and they started getting results, and then that, I became obsessed with of all things, reading academic journals, which I know is the oddest hobby of anyone you've probably (laughs) ever had on this show. Uh, Uh, That that would be
1: an affirmative.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I just poured over them, spent a ridiculous amount of time and money learning this science and having others help teach it to me and apply it in the real world of selling. And one of the things I saw, two reasons I really went gung-ho. in number one, I saw it would help me and others be more successful and really help meet our buyers' needs more effectively. Second is, I saw that many of the most common sales behaviors that are commonly taught, I know I was taught to do them, actually conflict with this science. In other words, it gets in the way of helping people make a buying decision because all this research has been hidden away in academic journals. So I thought someone needs to do this Someone needs to pull this out and show it to salespeople and make it practical and easy to understand. And after a while, I felt God leading me to to be that person. And so I dove in headfirst to the deep end of the pool. And many, many years later, here I am talking to you both.
1: <laughs> That's great. I remember many years ago, Digital Equipment Corporation used to sell these VAX computers, and they were kind of the state of the art computers at the time. I don't know if you remember those, David, but. Maybe you're a little too young for that, but <laughs> but I remembered that those computers would almost sell themselves despite their salespeople. I mean, in fact, they were like, if you didn't have the salesperson, you'd probably be more likely to buy. <laughs> and I think that's what I'm hearing you say is a lot of salespeople en- actually engage in behaviors that, that are counterproductive.
0: You're exactly right. In fact, there was an alarming study published in the Harvard Business Review just a few years ago and they looked at 800 salespeople on sales calls, and what they found was 63% of the salespeople regularly behaved in ways that drove down the likelihood of the sale. Only 37% were consistently effective, and there's been many surveys and research studies in sales that have shown very similar results. So there is an alarming problem, and I contend, and the research confirms That the closer our way of selling is aligned to how our potential customers' brains are wired to be influenced, the more effective we'll be. The further away it is, the less effective we'll be.
1: Okay, well, that makes sense, and I think we're going to get into that in a bit. You are kind of teeing up the obvious question. All right, so what are all these salespeople doing to shoot themselves in the foot? What's the kind of number one bad behavior?
0: (laughs) Yeah, the bad behavior, the don'ts. Unfortunately, there's a lot. One of the biggest ones we can talk about is the way we close sales, and a lot of people One of the reasons you mentioned, Larry, that people have a bad impression of salespeople is often because they feel pressured. They're high, you know, these these hard closers come in. Well, why is that? Why don't we like that? The research shows that our brains don't make a buying decision at the end of a persuasive request, like traditional sales methodology would suggest. Instead, we make it throughout a persuasive request. So there are certain incremental commitments that if our brains do not make we cannot say yes at the end of the sale. And if people try to get us to say yes, and we're not ready, our brains aren't there, and we haven't made these small commitments, we feel pressured, we push back, we don't like it. And so when we align how we sell with how our brains are wired to construct buying decisions, we instantly become more effective. So traditionally, when it comes to closing the sales, it's the opposite of what the research suggests regarding how our brains make buying decisions. And that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if some of that is because... You know, the easy thing for a salesperson to, to measure is when you ask for the order if they say yes or no. Whereas the commitments that you're talking about, having read your book, are perhaps so subtle that, that the salesperson, maybe even the buyer, isn't aware that they've made that commitment yet.
0: You're exactly right. There's what we call a false evidence of causality, meaning because I ask for the sale at the end of it and I get it, I often think that it's created there. Many people, in fact, that's what most books on closing. Uh, would suggest, because they deal with two areas, how to ask for the sale at the end and how to answer the objections that doing so induces. And so what we say is, well, how does the brain make a buying decision? And we got to guide people and rethink how we view the sale instead of one big commitment as a series of small incremental commitments that are literally the building blocks of the sale and are what enable that final decision, the purchase. Okay. So I haven't read your book
2: yet. I've read Larry's book review of your book, which makes me want to read your book, which is the last thing I need right now is another book on my nightstand. But (laughs) what are these incremental decisions that we're making throughout the sales process?
0: That's a great question. I'll go through them real quickly. They are... What we found with a six-year research study, we, we just saw, there's decades of research that shows that our brains, to make a big decision, we first have to make small ones that are aligned with the larger one. They're the building blocks of the sale of a buying decision. So what are the specific commitments we have to make? We refer to them as the six whys. These are six questions that each begin with the word why. I'll run through them real quickly, and we can talk about them as much as you want. The first one is why change? why should we do something versus nothing? This is the foundation of every sale. And if we don't get commitment to this, nothing else we say matters because trying to show someone a solution to a problem they don't think they have, well, makes you seem irrelevant. So why change? Second, why now? Why should they move forward now? Why is it in their best interest versus waiting a few months or a few years? Why your industry solution? I call this the silent sales assassin because people don't see it coming, right? If If your potential customers can avert your entire industry and go outside of it, they will. So we have to address that and help them understand why our industry supplies the best solution for their needs. Fourth is why you and your company. Fifth, why your product or service. How do you guide a potential customer in understanding the value your product or service can deliver? And then last but not least, why spend the money? Here's what this one looks like. And this one's often overlooked as well. Let's say I'm selling a CRM platform, a software uh, platform, and I have a client and they say, well, you know what, we want to move forward with your your platform. We want to do it right now. However, we also need to update our machinery in our factory. There is only enough money in our budget to do one. Either we can buy your platform or update our machinery. Now I am positioning myself, why should they spend their hard-earned money with me rather than doing something entirely different? I have to get a commitment there. And we found if one of these commitments is not made, the buying decision breaks down and people never say yes at the end of the sale. So I say a sales process should guide people in making these vital strategic commitments. And if it does, it's going to be highly successful and it really helps people make confident buying decisions.
1: Well, I found when I read through your book and the six whys that you just outlined there, David, that there's just a lot of science-based studies to back it. As you said, everything you're doing is driven around the science of it, which was very interesting. But one of the things that I found kind of most interesting, really, frankly, was the other part of the equation, which you haven't yet spoken about. And that's the, that's the emotional state of the buyer. So is that right? Talk about that.
0: You're exactly right. And this was something that took me, after I found the six whys and we identified them, it took an additional three years to figure this out because it perplexed me. Why don't people make decisions when they make all the right commitments? Because there were times I couldn't account for why that was. Well, there is a wealth of research in this area that shows when we are experiencing negative emotions, so we're in a bad mood, it is very difficult for our brains to perceive value and to make a positive decision, so to make a buying decision. So what do you do when your potential customers are in a negative emotional state? There's a variety of things. I'll share two real quickly with our listeners. Number one, ask for opinion questions, questions that allow people to express their opinion, especially to your key value propositions that you present in this sale. Don't tell, ask them. Here's why that matters. There's a variety of reasons. My favorite one comes out of Harvard University University, And they studied people when they asked them opinion questions. They would hook them up to FMRI machines that measure brain activity. When people answer opinion questions, the pleasure centers in the brain light up. In other words, Mm. people enjoy answering these kind of questions, and it naturally puts them in a more positive emotional state.
2: Can you give me an example of an opinion-based question before you go to the second one?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you could say, let's say, I'll give you a um, contrast it with how traditionally value propositions are made. So let's say I'm, I have a window next to me here in my office, and I say, you know, this is a beautiful view. That's a statement of value. But what opinion question would be is saying, you know, Armin, this is a beautiful view. Wouldn't you agree? Now, you have to assess the view, and then you're going to say, oh, yeah, this is great. Or, no, nah, not really, David, not that great. All of which is relevant to me, but people enjoy answering these kind of questions. And so it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable, and it naturally, not only gives me great information if I'm trying to, for example, sell you a house, but it also helps put you in a more positive emotional state. The second behavior you can do, and there's many we talk about in the book, is shifting someone's body posture. Oftentimes when we are experiencing negative emotions, we sit different, we move slower, and we hunch over. So we want to break people out of their negative emotions. One way to help begin that process is to get them to move. This can be having them lean forward, you know, using some humor, making them smile. For example, one research study found that when people smile, their brain is influenced. Blood flow to the brain increases when you smile, which naturally puts you in a more positive emotional state. So there's a variety of things we can do when our potential customers are stuck in negative emotional states, to kind of nudge them out of them.
1: So it all begs the question, can you sell, David, can you sell to a curmudgeon?
0: <laughs> mm. Oh, you're, you're bringing out the hard ones now you know what it's when someone's in a negative emotional state it is very difficult for them to ever say yes so what we need to do is help get them out of it and no one wants to be in a negative emotional state either no one wants to, to do that and in fact one researcher referred to it as Alice Eisen a social psychologist refers to it as when we're in a negative emotional state it's like we're wearing rose colored glasses it's skews our view of everything. And we see the world through those glasses. Everything is negative. Everything is, well, to her analogy, it's rosy. So we have to guide people out of that or else oftentimes the sale will get stuck and it can be even lost because people aren't in a position to make choices.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. And I found, like I said, when we're reading your book, a whole bunch of stuff that I think are helpful for listeners wanting to take their selling, their influence game to the next level. I'd like to pivot our conversation a bit with you, David, if that's okay, because I know you know you're a deep man of God and and this is an area that you're working in. And I'm just curious, kind of, how did God give you the idea to go do what you're doing today?
0: Yeah, slowly. I was searching for (laughs) many years. It was a slow process and it was it was daunting. When I first started doing this, I was, you know, always questioning, is this really what God has for me? And through prayer, I think I, you know, I even attended how we got reconnected, I attended one of your seminars many years ago when i was actually at bethel seminary yeah and that was very instrumental thinking of what is god's what is god's bold idea for me and i resisted i'll be honest i resisted going all in on the sales idea for a while i had the idea of getting into sales training i hadn't thought of the science aspect yet because i just wasn't aware it existed and but for a couple years i wondered you know should i go into ministry should i do this what did god really have for me and through numerous things and really just pursuing Him and being able, willing to do whatever He asked me to do, it really was getting to that place of selflessness where I said, Okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do. It doesn't matter what it is. Whether I like it, if I don't like I mean, I'll do anything. And through that process, over a couple years, God really led me that this is what He had called me to do to get into the business world and to really get into selling and. Pioneer kind of a different way of doing it and it was very hard very challenging there was a lot of struggles especially early on and part of it wasn't fun but I persevered and um, I thank God for that I give him all the glory because he definitely sustained me through some very very challenging times. And now we have the book and all kind of neat things are happening, but it, it wasn't always like that. It, it wasn't always, I wasn't always doing interviews like this with people like you. A lot of times it was dark and it was lonely and it was just a lot of reading academic journals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but persevering and following God's will. was yeah. So, was so talk, talk
1: about those times. Cause I'm guessing a number of our listeners probably are going through or have gone through a similar journey where they're trying to sort out what is God wanting to do with me? And I think you've, you've come through a whole discovery process for that and, in a challenging way, they probably could identify what you're saying about you know, life being challenging. Talk about some of those challenges. How did, you keep, how did you keep at it when it seemed to be the darkest for
0: you? Yeah, it was, especially early on. I had a great job, very prestigious, that I, I left and started my firm, and we were doing so much research. Pretty much, I was working 70 hours, 80 hours a week, primarily researching, and I had 20 to 25 hours a week was with clients just to pay the bills. And I was just so heavy into it, and I had people that mocked me. Um, You know, what in the world are you doing? You know, you're you're reading these journals. You could be making so much more money. People that had worked for me at previous positions got ahead of me. I remember turning down numerous job offers. I one job offer that just killed me. I turned down. It was a six-figure job offer with the potential for seven figures, and I, I turned it down to continue doing what I felt God called me to do. But it was challenging. And through the whole process, really just leaning on God and knowing this is what he had for me. And I had to stay true to it. And I had to be willing to delay gratification, meaning I got that it was going to be tough. That's okay. I got that I wasn't going to get any praise, that no one was going to want to interview me, that I was, I was laying a foundation for later. And I said, am I willing to do that? And once I committed to it, I went all in and I said, I'm going to do it. I don't care what happens. I'm following God's will for me if it's hard so what right it's not supposed to be easy if it was easy it wouldn't be a bold idea It'd be just an idea and it wouldn't mean anything it's going to be hard it's going to take a long time there's gotta be sacrifices are you willing to pay the price because for success what i found is you pay the price up front before the book comes before people you know applaud when you speak before all that you have to pay the price Hmm. and i thank god that i was willing to do that it was very hard You know, and I had to just humble myself and realize this was a season of my life that I was going to dedicate to this. And I was going to turn my back on money and some prestige and just really commit myself to this process. And like I said, people laughed, people mocked, but I just stayed true to it. And what I've learned is when you come out the other side, and it's important for our listeners to remember this. And I had an uncle who told me this. He said, it's all temporary, David. It's just temporary, mm-hmm. right? It's hard, but it's temporary. And that helped me. Yeah. I wrote that down and put it on my computer. And I said, every day I look at it, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. It's just temporary. This is the Bold Idea Podcast.
1: Hey, Armin, I'm super excited. Our friends at Great Waters Financial a wealth management firm based here in Minneapolis with over $300 in assets under management. They are our sponsors for this episode.
2: I'm so glad they are because there's two financial institutions in this world that I would ever put my name behind, and Great Waters Financial is definitely one of them.
1: You know, I have had the opportunity, Armin, to talk to about a dozen of their clients one-on-one. And they are not just clients. They are raving fans of Great Waters Financial. And why? Because they are treated like family. They're treated like somebody that they can trust to get the job done. And Great Waters makes it very simple to understand all the retirement complexities and financial plans that you might need to make. And they do it with all the latest tools. But they do it with a lot of heart.
2: That's right. These guys are setting a new standard of how this is done. So if you want to schedule a time with your future advisor, then go to www.greatwatersfinancial.com forward slash bold idea. So, David, I got to ask you, how did you know of all the bold ideas? And I'm sure you had many because you're a sales guy. How did you know this was the bold idea that was the God idea that was worth the sacrifice,
0: that's worth the suffering, that's worth the darkness? It was was a process. And what it was, I saw the need for it as I stumbled on the academic journal. And the more I got into it, just as kind of a hobby, the more I saw a big need here. To me, it was almost a matter of integrity. Because I felt like salespeople were being misled by a lot of the trainers. It was all anecdotal evidence. There was a science that conflicted with all the stuff they were taught or a lot of it. And I thought, this isn't right. Someone needs to do something. And as I began to take steps of faith, the next step was revealed. I had no idea all this was going to happen. I took one small step, and then I took another. And every step, my path illuminated. So I didn't see the whole vision. It was one small step at a time. And I think that's for a lot of people. That's what it is. It's frustrating, though, because I want to know the end game. I'm like, well, how is this going to end No. I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't. In fact, it wasn't until just a couple of years ago when stuff really started to take off for me. So it was just stepping out in faith, the, the, what I had in front of me, and then praying that God would open the next door. And he always did. Throughout
2: your research process, were there any big discovery moments that kind of reshaped
0: your thinking? Regarding the sales aspect or this journey for me? Journey more than the sales aspect. Yes. One of the things I did early on when I had a job and when I was considering going into and following this, I read a lot. I would go to Barnes and Noble on like a Sunday afternoon after church and I would sit there and with my wife and I would read and then I would buy some books, but I would read a lot of them <laughs> uh, for free. I would just read and read and try to understand what successful people did. Was there a method to it? And I got in there that successful people are willing to persevere, that they they don't quit. Once they know what they're called to do, they they keep going, and they understand it's going to be hard. And so I went into it with that mentality, that it was going to be challenging, that it was going to be hard, and that that's the the price you have to pay. If you're not willing to go through that, then don't do it. Mm. Then just don't do it, because you'll fail. Because there are people out there who are willing, and those are the people who achieve things you got to say, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. So what? You have to say, am I willing to go through this? And so I talked to my wife. I remember telling her, I said, you know, our life might radically change. The money isn't going to be there. I'm leaving a VP of sales position, and it's going to be a lot less money. And, you know, we paid our bills up. We put ourselves in a good financial situation. Saying, I'm going to change our lifestyle. You know, are you willing to do that? Having some really frank conversations. She was, and that was a blessing. And so preparing yourself. And I think that's such a key thing. We expect things to happen so quickly. Reality check is they don't. You got to pay the price. You got to put the work in if you want to be successful. And you want to achieve that bold idea. I
2: don't even know how to ask this question. So hopefully I can articulate it well. But what you just said, I feel like I've heard many different ways from many different people. And I'm assuming you've even heard something like that along your journey. But what do you think would make someone actually listen to you if they're in that point of decision-making where it's between what they're doing now and making a radical shift to pursue a bold idea?
0: Yeah, it's how bad do you want it? Is this really what God has called you to do? If you're convinced of that, if you know this is the path for you, then out of obedience, you want to do it. I saw a need. I felt God leaning me in this direction. I saw a need that I could fill that wasn't being filled currently in the marketplace. I got a passion for it. That's another thing. If you don't like what you're doing after a while, it's going to be tough for you to be successful. I love talking about selling. I love talking about the science. I mean, I just, time flies by. So researchers call that a state of flow. Look for that where time disappears. You know, you just enjoy what you're doing. And so for me, it was a labor of love. There were definitely challenges and it was hard. I'm not going to sit here and say, I just was constantly having faith and there wasn't sleepless nights or struggles. And there definitely was. I mean, it was, it was challenging. It was hard. Do I want to go through it again? No, no, I don't, but I'm glad I did. And so for me, I was willing to pay the price. I just decided I would do it. And I wouldn't stop until I, until I got the bold idea, until I, until I did what I thought God was calling me to do. And I didn't care what I had to go through. I was willing to do it. And that's easier said than done. But for the man or woman who decides that, they're a dangerous person because they will not be stopped. And they're always trying to get better. And it's, it's exciting to watch when people do that because lives change.
1: I love that. I love that. I love that. And, yeah. and it sounds like, David, you're saying a lot about going through the tough times and the perseverance times is a real test of whether you love the idea that you're pursuing. And when you keep at it and you find that your love for that idea continues to grow, then you're probably on to something God's called you to. Am I hearing that right?
0: Absolutely. I think sometimes uh, myself early on, and I think a lot of other people do, think that when God gives you an idea that he's going to make it easy. Like, Mm. oh, this is God's idea. He'll work it all out. This is going to be a cakewalk. Not really. No. It's God's idea. But God puts you through things, and he molds you through those trials, through that suffering sometimes and he molds you into the kind of person that can achieve the bold idea. You know, you change. You mold you through the process. So don't run from it because you can't. You've got to embrace it. You've got to say, this is what it is. What can I learn from this? How do I serve God when no one's calling my name, when no one wants to hear my ideas, when no one cares? How am I faithful then? Because if you can't be faithful then, you'll never get in front of the big crowds when you get all the you know, the accolades and the fame and the book deals. That's all good, but first got to be faithful with a little if you want to ever have a lot. Oh,
2: Boom. Man.
1: All right. I'm ready to go. We're going <laughs> to stop recording this show right now because i got a bold idea i got to <laughs> get in <him> for. <from> this. <laughs> David, thank you so much for being on the Bold Idea Podcast. I mean, I've already got goosebumps. So I'm ready to go. Let's, yeah, let's hit the up. ground running with this. But I know there's a number of our listeners that probably want to hear about your book and want to learn about you. How do they get a hold of you?
0: Yes, so you can go to my website, Huffeldgroup.com, H-O-F-F-E-L-D, group.com. We have all kind of great free resources on there, and you can look at, too, blogs, articles, white papers, videos, learn about science-based selling, and also my book, The Science of Selling, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere fine books are sold. You can pick up a copy, or two, or three.
1: Well it was a, it was a pleasure having you on the show David and what a delight a lot of inspirational words and and actually I think we could probably go on and and talk more and more about how to use the science of selling but Buy the book. I mean, basically, Armin, grab that book I'm and salt. read that thing because it, <laughs> it's got a bunch of stuff in it. And David sent me an advanced copy of it to to look over, and I was like, "Wow, there's a lot." I've got it earmarked. I think as you I saw, saw that, yeah. yeah. Like, so I got a bunch page. of bunch of quotes coming out of that book, and I've already used it with some clients, but. David, I can't thank you enough for being part of the Bold Idea podcast. I know your words are going to be inspiring to those who listen. And if you are listening and you want to grab that book, I just highly recommend you go. we we'll look for it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you get books. But The Science of Selling by David Hoffel was out last November.
2: That's right. David, I'm not saying this just because this is what you're supposed to say at the end of an interview. But you stirred faith and you literally fired me up. I sincerely appreciate everything you had to say. I'm not just saying that. That was amazing. So thank you for being with us. Oh, we should have had the video cam on here.
1: Armin was going, yeah, high fisting it and jumping doing. He did the <laughs> Macarena, I think, a couple times.
2: <laughs> Mamo number five. <laughs> uh, David, thanks, wonderful. Thanks well, for thank being Thank you on both. The program. Thank
0: you both so much. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. All right. Great. Thanks again.
1: Well, all right, Armin, that's David Hoffeld.
2: My new he can't be my groupie. I'm his groupie. So what does he become to me? <laughs> idol. <laughs> my new idol. He's my new golden calf of sales.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good. <laughs> idol's a good word to use for a faith based program. I think, right? Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so let's let's break this down. Uh, really, we had an interview in two parts, right? So we had uh, part A, which is all about the science of selling, which has, I think, its own takeaways, mm-hmm. and then kind of part B, which is own journey, which was really a pretty fascinating in and of itself for
2: takeaway value. What did you pick up? Uh, one, for the years that I did sales, I just want to yell at him and say, where were you when I needed you? <laughs> right? You've failed me.
1: <laughs> I know. I remember when I read that book, I thought, oh, I could have really used this <laughs> right? 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I could be a millionaire right now. Thank you. Yeah, Thank
1: yeah you. exactly. <laughs> well, he was probably thinking the same thing too when he wrote it. It was like, how come I didn't come up with this earlier? You know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I guess I'm still so... Tied up towards the ending Where he just got me riled up And that's all I'm thinking about right now Yeah But in the beginning there was aspects of it Where he was just basically saying At least from a, as a takeaway for me If there's something that gets a hold of you And some aspect of it Feels like there's a God thing there Right I love the way that he's just saying run with it Regardless of the money or the status Or the other opportunities that there I mean he got mocked. He got shamed. He had VP of sales offers that were six-figure offers with a potential of seven. So that's yeah. not a $100,000 job no. offer. That's more likely a $750,000 job yep. offer, right? Yep. And there's so many things that you hear him very willingly give up, not sacrifice, but give up because there was something in him. And not that he said this, but at least from what I got from it, that he knew that there was something better for him if he just continued to follow what God put on his heart.
1: Yeah, that's right. And w- without certainty, because he talked about those dark times, right. and The need for perseverance and and all of that, and
2: and that's the faith aspect of it. It, it, I it think, is right. Is it's uncertainty. Yeah,
1: and a lot of this comes out in all the interviews we've had, you know, so far. And I love what he talks about the next step. You know, you have to wait for the next step to be revealed, and he didn't often see what that. Next step was, you know, and and it and it took some time. It took perseverance and belief and right.
0: the
2: conviction that you just described. Yeah, and I love that he's just so honest about it. He's yeah, like, yeah, it's gonna suck. It won't be easy. Yeah, but it doesn't change the fact that it will be worth it, and it'll actually be more worthwhile.
1: Yeah, and if it wasn't easy, it wouldn't be a bold idea
2: or a bold move.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, back to the earlier part of the interview. I mean, one of the things that I picked up from that, a couple of things actually. I really enjoyed the way he broke down the selling process. Having read the book, I think he's on to something there in terms of I enjoy how brain science works because I think it's remarkable how God makes the brain. And I really think there's a lot fascinating with that. Of course, you can use it in a manipulative way. You know, a little knowledge can, (laughs) can, you know, you can use it that way. I might try it on my wife. (laughs) (laughs) It never works with our wives. (laughs) <laughs> no, no formula works with a spouse. Yeah, we'd never stop trying. <laughs> but he he has a he has a nice way of thinking about. Are you considering all the ways in which people process information? Right. And one of the keys there is you heard him talk about that asking people for their opinion. You know, hmm. getting that buy-in and having them activate that pleasure part of their brain that lights up when when say, Oh, I'm considered important enough that you want my opinion. Oh on gosh. Yeah. That's so good. And I have used that. That's been one of the takeaways that I have used from that book is trying to be very conscientious about not just stating my own opinion, but inviting others to share theirs as part of that engagement. Yeah. And it, it isn't, to, it isn't to have them win, win them over to my idea. Of course, I love it when that happens, you know, but, but <laughs> it, it, when you have engagement with people, and if you're thinking about a bold idea, you need to engage with people. You can't right. do it alone. Yeah. And the science of selling, it, regardless of whether you think about yourself as a salesperson or not, it, think about using these tools and understanding in order for you to create engagement and foster
2: engagement on your idea. Hmm. I love that. I love his holistic approach. I love the fact that he's finally saying that it's not about the clothes. And it's about the incremental process that every single w- part of the process is in- in- actually involves a close because each each part of the process is communicating to a different part or a different aspect of the person that they there's a process that they use to make a decision. And I love how he speaks to each part of that process that a person uses to make a decision. And I think that's what makes it so well-rounded and so holistic that it almost puts everything else to shame.
1: Yeah. Well, we have an opportunity, Armin, to do a giveaway. We do. I don't know what the giveaway is, honestly.
2: (laughs) I know he gave it to (laughs) us, though.
1: (laughs) He's making a handful of his book, his new book, The Science of Selling, available. Just as before, if you leave a review for our show on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, we are now on Google. Google Play. Yes, we are. Oh, I didn't even So know that. if you got an Android and you want to download it from the Google Play station, yeah, we're now on Google Play. Sweet. And so leave a review. The best way to find out how to leave a review is just go to com slash review and then tweet out to us that you did or Facebook out to us or LinkedIn out to us or Google plus us. Is that a verb? Google plus us. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well just let us know that you left a review and we're so thankful for all the reviews we've already gotten in and just want to thanks to our friends and our fans and those who are part of our community we love it when you engage with us and we're going to have links to all the shows information here all the links to david Hoffeld, how you can find his book and we invite your commentary go to com forward slash the numeral four And you'll get to our show notes where you can leave a comment and find all the kinds of goodies.
2: And listen, we're going to end on this note. If you're pursuing a bold idea and you're in the midst of a struggle, I just want to repeat one more time what David said because it resonated with me. God molds you through the struggle. So let the struggle mold you. Don't let it break you. And this is why this podcast exists, is to inspire you with your and through your bold idea, so you can make some bold decisions to change this world and your own world. So we love you. We thank you for joining us. God bless. We'll see you next
0: time. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.